Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all 7 continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Clive, great to see you. We haven't, I came on your show last time, didn't I? It was over a year ago. I remember you being uh, very positive, uh, vocally positive at the beginning of, uh, let's just say, the the last three years. I think everyone knows what we're talking about. And you were right from the start then offering solutions. But of course, uh, the platforms that be don't really want people talking about solutions and uh, um, they kind of smacked you on the hand a bit, didn't they? And and now you've gone on to, is it you're on Rumble? Rumble, Odyssey, brand new tube, cup, couple of others. Yes, good. Um, of course, the viewings that I used to get are now a tiny fraction of what they were. The, the challenge therein, though, for people like myself is, I I spent about 12 years as an author. I think I managed to write six books in that six six books in that 12 years. I'm a bit of a slow writer. There was a trickle of income. One of them did really well. It was number 2 bestseller in Hong Kong, which I was quite, quite proud about. That's my eating smoke memoir folks which should be up there somewhere. And then one day I started I'd been watching a lot of Joe Rogan. And um, back in the early days of Joe Rogan and the, the early days of the uh, the tube, things were a lot freer. You could talk about pretty much anything you wanted. So we Joe would talk about like the moon landings and all these kind of controversial subjects. And they were great. And one time he had a Navy SEAL on who who'd swum from somewhere silly. Like I'm just looking at the map. I don't know, Oahu to Hawaii or something, <laughs> punching sharks on, on the way. And I just loved it, Clive. I'd be out doing a bit of gardening or or whatever it might be and just, just listening to these incredible chats with the sort of people I'd want to associate with, you know, I want to have a, a good yap with. And so I just started talking into that camera up there. In fact, it wasn't that camera. It was a rubbishy old 720 um Logitech that I that, that I had and I'd, I'd started talking about a few experiences uh traveling the world flying airplanes this kind of stuff and then I started to talk a bit about my military experience and boom there you go that just hits the algorithm why well the truth is because you're talking about war and they like war don't they <laughs> you know and and uh, sorry to say it, folks. It's just the truth of the matter. It's why I call it the evil algorithm. Things changed for me then, Clive. I started to get invites for public speaking. Um, so I went from someone that really didn't earn ver- very much, if if anything at all, to companies paying you silly money, like £2,000 to talk f- for 20 minutes. Uh, it didn't happen a lot, but it was you could see the potential was there had I wanted to go down that avenue. And then um, you start to guest on other people's shows and, and then you get a lot of you know positive feedback by sharing your story. And then when I did my charity stunts, such as running the length of the UK, you, you've got a platform on which to discuss it. And, da, 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 da. and we're now at the stage where I can pay um pay our wonderful editor luke you know it's not it's not a fortune but um you know 
it's it's more money than I thought I'd get on YouTube when I had a thousand subscribers, put it that way. So the point I'm trying to get to is we started up on locals and we got some great support there and we can have a lot freer chats there. You know, I never know how free they can be before they before they come for you, uh, which we saw with uh, uh, Rich Hall recently. Like if I wasn't on YouTube, like, like where would I be? <laughs> you know, because, you know, we got after three years on Rumble, I think we've got 500 followers or something. <laughs> yes, we're all kind of trapped a bit aren't we by the old algorithms and stuff but i'll tell you what if i if i could pay all the bills tomorrow clive i'd just go over to locals if but even i don't know if that would work because how do you promote yourself on a relatively unknown platform we're all a bit slaves to to the machine are we not well you know it the, the tube thing is a typical divide and rule strategy isn't it you know, you get everybody in one place, so you know who they are, then you kick them off, and now they've got 20 choices to go to, and you've divided them, and they've more or less disappeared. I mean, occasionally somebody pops up in my consciousness. I haven't seen them uh, on the video for ages, and you suddenly realise, actually, you've just forgotten completely about that person. Mm. and uh, You don't even think to look for them on Rumble or wherever. But on Rumble, I found it very difficult to find people. If I look, if I put my own name in, while I've got hundreds of videos up there, uh, it seems, I, I may be wrong, but I think if you, you've got to use Rumble to actually get your stuff to the top. I've been using BitChute, but loads of my videos have been taken down from BitChute. They're not meant to do that, but they have been. It usually pops up and say, this, this content is illegal in your country, whatever that means. <laughs> the floor is open. We, we're here to chat about solutions, aren't we? Perhaps I could mention what, you know, the, these, the supplements that I discussed that got me taken off the tube in the first place. Would that be useful? Yes, if we can uh, phrase it in a way that's not going to get yeah. this, this yeah. video removed. No, quite. Well, you know, it was the beginning of the thing in 2020. And uh, my view... Well, I mean, let me tell you just my own story very briefly. Some, I don't know, 18 years ago or something, I started reading about vitamin D. And I used to get colds every year. You know, three, maybe a flu, whatever that is. You know, and I vitamin D. I realized, well, I'm only getting these colds really in winter, or if I'm inside a lot, which I wasn't. So it's was really winter. So I started taking vitamin D. And I've basically never had a cold ever again. That was all it was with me. I obviously had enough vitamin C and some of the other essentials, enough zinc or whatever. So for me, that that was just huge. And I mean, 20 pounds for a year's supply, you know, and I only take it when I'm not getting sunshine in, in winter primarily. So I'm sort of an out, outdoors person, really. Um, so, but the, the big one I felt was vitamin C. You know, vitamin C has been around for what, almost 100 years or something, and the very first time, um, if, if I use naughty C words, you know, like cure or something like that, I'm spelling it with a K for legal reasons. So the first time I saw, um, let me be really subtle, the big K, some people might say the big C, right? Mm -hmm. um, reversed was my dad's best friend. He was a New York banker and he'd read about Linus Pauling. 
who was the only scientist to get the Nobel Prize to her personally twice. So he was a clever guy. And the front of Time magazine, I think it was back in the that period, maybe the 70s, um, was Linus Pauling saying that vitamin C uh, cures the common cold. Now, um, this was big news, and he was very famous. He had run the Nobel Prize twice. And so my dad's best friend rang him up. He found him in the phone book in New York. And he said, what do I do? It's the second time I've had it. It was kidney. They'd removed one kidney the first time. He said, I haven't got, haven't got a spare left. You know, I need the one I've got left. And Linus Pauling said, look, take 35 grams of vitamin C in divided doses every day. He's on his way to the doctor in New York, and he's refused all the drugs. He's refused the surgery, refused chemo. And he's feeling okay, uh, but he's been told he's got, you know, weeks, months to live. So on the way to the doctors, these six guys in New York try to beat him up and steal and rob him. Thinking he's got nothing left to lose, he's going to die anyway. He just takes all six of them on. He explained he broke a couple of their fingers and they run off. He keeps his watch and his wallet and so on. Goes to the doctor's office. The doctor says, well, I don't know what you've been doing, but it's gone. Yeah, tumor's gone. You're fine. And he said to me that had he been to the doctor's first, he would have gladly given the robbers everything he had from pure joy of being alive. And when he did die, which was about 20 years later, it wasn't from cancer. It was an, a natural death of perhaps old age, you might say. So I, after that happened, and that was 35 years ago, I started studying vitamin C and so on. And I realized that actually there are just a few things that pretty much all of us are low on, vitamin C being one of the big ones. Because if, let's say that you're eating nice fruits and vegetables, how old are they? Because if you just picked the orange off the tree, 100% vitamin C. But by tomorrow, by next week, by the time it's been sitting in the warehouse, the shop, your, your bowl in the kitchen, how much vitamin C is left? And the other vitamins, well, possibly not very much. The minerals will still be there, but the vitamin level will be low. So all of us pretty much are low on vitamin C, which means that many of us have actually got mild scurvy. So somebody's got skin issues, maybe their gums are bleeding, they're bruising very easily, keep getting infections, that sort of thing. It's very likely that it's low vitamin C. And so as one of the greatest remedies in existence, vitamin C is it. However, you need to know how to use it. So there's an incredible video called Reverse Pneumonia in Three Hours where Dr. Andrew Saul realized he's got, got bacterial pneumonia and uh, he takes two grams, that's about half a teaspoonful of vitamin C every six minutes. Three hours later, his temperatures come back to normal. All the, the pneumonia, pneumonia symptoms have gone. So how could that possibly happen? Well, imagine that bacteria reproduce very fast as they do let's say every hour, every two hours, they've doubled, they've doubled. If you hit it with an antibacterial every six minutes, you can literally outrun it in some cases. And that's what he did, two grams every six minutes. Now, the crazy thing is that if you're very low on vitamin C, you need much more of it than if you've got enough. So the average person um, 
let's say they're eating the average not so great diet, they might need five grams, half a teaspoonful twice a day, for instance, because it only lasts about 12 hours in the body. But if somebody's ill, they might need 100 grams. They might need more. There have been people who've been hospitalized, meant to die. Uh, they've had an intravenous drip of vitamin C, and they've completely come back to life. There's an incredible book by Dr. Thomas Levy about vitamin C, uh, which he basically presents the idea, and he's a medical doctor, that vitamin C really pretty much reverses almost everything. It, it's amazing. And of course, vitamin C is very inexpensive, very, very inexpensive. And the way to uh, learn more about it <clears throat> is to understand bowel tolerance. So let's say, let's just assume you or I are really healthy and we reach bowel tolerance with vitamin C, we're now in the bathroom with diarrhea. That's bowel tolerance. So there are some people who literally, they keep taking it over and they never reach bowel tolerance because their body is saying, give me more, give me more, give me more. And it's at some point way above normal that they suddenly get diarrhea. So what you do the next day is you figure out how you write down how much you, you took that day and cut back five or 10%, not much. And then uh, as you get better, the amount of, of C you need will drop and drop and drop until you're down to whatever it is that's the amount just to keep you healthy on a regular basis. But the, the point is, we're meant to be basically happy and healthy. That's, that's our default. And so if one's not either of those things, well, what's gone wrong? There are only three things that can go wrong. Physical damage, toxic poisoning, and when I say toxic poisoning, I mean not just the food and the air and the water and stuff, but toxic thoughts. You know, at school, they told us all sorts of stuff that wasn't true. You know, whatever they said, you know, you're crap, you're rubbish, whatever it was. And um, so we need to address physical damage, toxic poisoning, and then nutrient deficiency. And those are the only three reasons why we get ill. You know, we're not low on drugs. We're not low on, you know, that's it. Mm. So what I've been trying to do over the last couple of decades or so is to figure out how simply one can detox, how simply one can repair physical damage like scar tissue, and how quickly one can get the nutrients in in a meaningful way. And I found that actually to start, well, if you accept the idea that almost all of us are very low nutrition, nutritionally, you know, somebody's really, really overweight, well, they're starving. They've got malnutrition. They're that big because their body is saying, eat more, eat more, because it's asking for nutrients. And a lot of people, particularly on a low budget, are eating foods that haven't got any nutrients. Just going to say yeah. there's something else there as well, is that when the, the body's overflown with acid, um, which is essentially going to kill you because your cells need, uh, you know, they, they need a pH pH balance body very cleverly will store that acid as, um, and one of the ways it does is stores it in fat. So it, it, it's almost like the body's creating fat to, to store the bad stuff to then keep you alive. Well, that's a hundred percent right. I mean, you know, if you've got toxins in your body, whatever, whatever type it may be, acidic toxins or just chemicals or whatever you've ingested, where would the body park it? Well, you don't want to park the toxins in the brain or the heart or so 
dumping it in fat is the perfect place to park toxins that the body can't get rid of. So it sort of makes sense that way. So, I mean, let's start with the physical damage. There are a number of materials that will reverse physical damage. For instance, MSM sulfur or DMSO. Sulfur-based foods are like ginger, garlic, onions, cruciferous vegetables, eggs. Lots of foods have lots of sulfur in. And people used to go in the old days and take sulfur baths to get rid of whatever ailment they had. So sulfur's well known as uh, uh, an anti-C. It's well known uh, to dissolve scar tissue. So if somebody's had an operation or been injured in some way, the scar tissue can often interrupt the flow of the meridians, the flow of the, the energy, the chi through the body. And so by recycling that scar tissue into normal tissue, um, people see scars disappear if they use particularly MSM sulfur, just see them fade away as the body repairs itself. And if you're not eating enough sulfur-rich foods, well, the body would have done it by itself had we been eating a more natural diet. But it's very difficult to find real natural food like our ancestors ate. The old varieties have been bred out. You know, when I was young, strawberries had big holes in them. Uh, and now you don't never see that anymore. You know, you used to have to throw th a third of the strawberry away because you can eat that bit. Mm. So everything's changed. You know, the wheat has changed. When I was young, nobody had a problem with gluten or wheat. Nobody that I ever met ever. Uh, you know, the food has changed and we really need to be not supporting poisoned food industry. It's kind of funny. I think you and I see it. I wonder how many people are just oblivious. I think so many people just eat. You know, they just, I want to say, it's not even Western diet. It's global diet now, isn't it? This is abundance of carbohydrates without even stopping to think, like, how natural is that in our millions of years of evolution? is to be able to eat a whole field of rice. <laughs> I'm not talking like a rice paddy, folks. I mean, in the nature, to get 3,000 grains of rice to fill a bowl, that's going to take you about six weeks of foraging. <laughs> and yet, because of industrial farming, you can have that in a one -hour. Well, big red flag, big red flag. If it's not natural, <laughs> it shouldn't be doing it. And... Uh, very addictive, aren't they, carbs, Clive? Because they give us a, is it a, a glucose rush? You well, know, they... absolutely. I mean, I, I reckon that carbs were how we were enslaved. We were free living in the forest. It was our forest. We knew it intimately. We knew not to disturb the bear. You know, we knew our forest. And then at some point, somebody came along and said, this is our forest. And if you don't like that, we're going to kill you. And if your children don't like it, We'll send them to a school and educate that it's always been our forest. And then they found grains. Then they could f find, they found that instead of being hunter gatherers, they could herd us into cities or whatever. And grains have been to some degree a real issue. However, you know, you, I mean, when, when I was young, I was out in the desert when I was 16. I was in so the Arab world for a while. And again, nobody there seemed to have a problem with bread, but they baked it the real way. They'd let it rise, they'd knock it down, let it rise. You know, over seven or eight hours, the phytates, the dangerous parts of wheat, for example, are neutralized by the whole yeast 
fermenting process and that made it safe to eat but then uh they you know now with the batch loads or whatever they steam bake them in 10 minutes they don't bother with the making it safe like our ancestors knew forever way back in time mm. and you know in the middle east when i was there then that was so what 70s um i didn't see particularly overweight people and they ate loads of bread you know the smell of baking bread at four in the morning was fantastic so then they changed wheat didn't they they hybridized wheat so they actually changed the chromosomes of, of wheat to make when i was young wheat was that high now it's down by your knees and they literally changed it into dwarf wheat then on top of that uh, they banned burning the stubble so in the old days you'd grow the wheat you'd harvest the wheat grains then you'd set fire to the field and burn it back to the ground now while minerals can be damaged by heat I'm sorry, vitamins can be damaged by heat. Minerals are fine with heat. You can heat them up, they're still there. And so every year, the majority of the plant would get put back and they'd probably add some cow manure or compost or whatever it was to make up the balance of the little bit of grains that have been taken away. But now you're not allowed to do that. So they just take the uh, the rest of the harvest of the wheat and you know do whatever they do with it. So every year, the soil is getting depleted more and more and more every year. And you probably know that at the end of World War One, when the bomb making had to stop, the industries obviously were very disappointed. They liked making bombs. So the, the big three were phosphorus, potassium, um, and um, nitrogen to make, to make that. And so they changed the factories to making drugs instead. You know, you probably know there was a, a ship exploded in, in a harbor in Italy with um, chemicals on, which were going to kill people. And they noticed that a few people, their tumors seemed to go away. So they called that chemotherapy and introduced it. Gosh. And, and uh, sorry, the other part was MPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Uh, they turned that into fertilizer because a plant will grow with just those three minerals. And so they started this insane modern agricultural policy where you take the good stuff out and put, three chemicals back in over and over, and then you've got a problem with, you know, the weeds and they deal with that and the fungus, you know, fungicides, herbicides, larvicides, suicides, you know, it's a bit like that. Yes. I wonder if uh, our young people watching now are familiar with the term fallow, because when I grew up, it was kind of commonly known that a farmer every four years would let a field go fallow. Is that the right word? Yes, they, you'd, you'd you'd let the field regain its nitrogen. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, exactly, exactly that. I I haven't even heard that term since my childhood. I, it wouldn't surprise me if the farmers just don't have the budget to do that anymore, and they're instead they're just pile piling on the chemicals to make the field, you know, to exploit the the, the field. It's a sad state of affairs. I mean, what the young people don't realize is where the insects have gone. I mean, when I was young, let's say 20, I would drive into London or into the country or something, and every half an hour on, on, a, on a spring day, I might have to stop at a petrol station and buy a can, water wouldn't do it, buy a can of squirty chemicals to clean the Armageddon of insects off my windscreen. Mm -hmm. I'd have to clean them off my headlights at night because the headlights would get so dim with the dead insects that you couldn't see properly. 
you used to regularly have to have your radiator of your car brushed out because it would the dead insects would you block up the radiator and the car would overheat. When did you last see a dead insect on your windscreen? Yes, that is a great point. They used to clog up the the grill, didn't they? Yeah. And, of course, the young people have no idea that they've all gone. Mm. Same as the fish. When we were kids, you'd fish in the river, and it was teeming with with fish. Every autumn, the salmon run would start, salmon and sea trout would come up, and you'd see these huge monsters. You hardly see a fish in a river anymore. Um, To all our angling friends out there, feel free to... Give us, give us your thoughts on on it. But uh, yes, this is why when I think when people talk about abundance, Clive, I think they've got the concept slightly wrong. Um, what can you say? Like happiness and peace of mind is available in abundance once you once you crack the spiritual journey. As far as having as many people on the planet eating whatever they want and driving as many cars as they want. Um, I think something needs something needs uh, rethinking there. And all the answers to every problem in the world, I would suggest, have been solved years ago. You know, I've been going to conferences and stuff where people have been putting forward their ideas for for decades, and almost every problem you can think of is already solved, except it's not being put into practice. Here in China, they found a way to regrow deserts. Have you have you come across that? No, can you enlighten us? Yeah. So what they've discovered that the, the problem with deserts is you tend to get horizontal winds which just rip the um the plants out. But the Chinese have found one incredibly hardy shrub that can survive that. So what they do is they encase it in like a ball of nutrients, dig a hole, I, th- I think two meters deep, if I remember it rightly, water it once and it will grow. So once you've got this like fence of hardy shrub, you can then grow something else, maybe a little less hardy behind it and then behind that. So they're regrowing massive areas of desert. And it's not just in China. It's been done in other places as well, because um, if you decide to stop, uh, I mean, there are loads of people who've recovered land, which you know they thought was destroyed and brought it back, literally changed the temperature of whole islands by reforesting and the birds come back, the animals that they thought were gone and actually weren't quite gone. And uh, in, in one case, there's a great TED talk about it. Uh, the temperature of this whole area drops, drops 10 degrees. It had been boiling and it was almost desert and it goes back to temperate and nice. So it's not like we can't restore the lost forests incredibly quickly. I was living in one place in England, wh- which had like a three acre field next door and I watched as the, the horses stopped grazing it, and it was surrounded by oak trees. And within a year, it was the field was full of little oak saplings. And by the next year, I was amazed at how tall they got. An oak forest was re-establishing itself all by itself in record time. Mm. You know, people say we've got a problem with CO2. This is so wrong. Uh, most people who've got breathing problems, for instance, think that um they've not got enough oxygen often it's the other way around asthmatics find that if they increase their carbon dioxide and some people do it by breathing into a paper bag there are all sorts of ways you can do it 
that um, uh, their asthma goes away. So CO2 is misunderstood at lots of different levels. But in the forest, you know, they say, well, there's too much CO2 in the world. No, there's not. They'd be cutting down the trees. There's not enough. Uh, you know, it, it's they've been cutting down the trees is the problem. That's why things are wrong. You know, I, d- I don't believe in the whole everything's getting hotter thing. I think it's called weather. Yes. Have you noticed that the weather reporters, they started to colour the maps really? Yeah, it's all, all red now. It's so all funny. red and all orange and these really vivid, frightening colours, whereas you look at a map from, you know, 50 years ago on the on the TV or 40, it's the same temperatures, but they've got an old grey map. <laughs> it's just an... Like, got a sun with a smile on it, you know. Hooray. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, also in China, I saw an interesting video recently of these workers literally spraying the countryside green. It was rather bizarre. Um, they had these powerful spray guns, or not like sort of... Um, pressure washers and had these drums on their back and they were walking along painting the countryside. And um, I think one of the theories offered up is that in order to, you know, reach their sustainable quotas or, or goals or whatever the case may be, each region of China has, has to, you know, achieve these certain markers uh, and 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 the the government inspector will come round to see, and one way to get around to say yes, you know, we've got all this natural regrowth is they they just paint all the dead stuff <laughs> dead stuff green, <laughs> which uh, kind of defeating defeating the um, the object. Clive, do you think things went wrong for mankind when we became so clever in our big brains? that we could take the ore out of the rock. Before then, everything was literally sustainable um, because you made an axe from a piece of wood that would grow back and you picked a bit of flint off the floor and there's lots of flint lying on the floor and there and, and there always, always will be. But once you start messing with something that takes time and processes to to create like iron ore or bronze ore, gold, precious metals. Um, then you're kind of going out there and destroying the planet at quite a significant rate, especially as even with um, recycling and the recycling of precious metals. Da, 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 you're still going to lose a certain amount in the process. So. You know, I'm sure for every ton of aluminium that they they get from the ground, probably three quarters of that ends up down the scrap heap or whatever, or or you know disappears into the environment. Um, I just wonder, you know, if the way forward for mankind would have to be on the basis of you got to stop taking the metal from the rock. I know some people will say, no, it's sustainable. It, you know, it's recreated over time. Possibly. 
Um, I don't know. But when you see the kind of size of the slag heaps in places like uh, Johannesburg, these huge mountains that are thrown up from tunneling for gold, this constant quest for gold. Um, I don't know. It's not only environmentally ugly, but I just wonder if it's a hiding to nothing, Clive. You know, you see these wind farms and water farms and electric cars and it's, yeah, but it's just, it seems like it's robbing from Peter to pay Paul because at the end of the day, it all takes oil to produce and it all takes precious metals or, or metals um, that that can't be put back in any sort of given time frame. Do you have any thoughts on that? There, there is an argument which runs that all the volcanoes that you see were actually giant slag heaps, chemical dumps from a previous civilization long long gone long ago and the fact they explode from time to time in a volcanic eruption is chemicals from what one of our past resets conceivably i mean that may be absolute rubbish but uh, i think the point is that actually there are four or five things that need to happen for change to occur i mean some people say well look because most people just go along with the flow it takes 20% of people to make a real change in the world. And I think that that may be right. It just takes 20% and the others will follow because there, there are a few things that will help people go along with a good idea. Uh, a basic one is money, of course, you know, which is why um, you know, we're controlled by lack of money. Now, the lie is... The love of money is the root of all evil. And of course, because everything in this world is inverted, you know, the, if you like, the satanic idea is to invert everything. So black is white. So instead, you know, it's wrong. The, the love of money is not the root of all evil. The lack of money is the root of all evil because that's how we're controlled with the lack of money. So everything's upside down. So I reckon, what if you, what if we made these changes? We've got whatever it is, a million public servants who have all of them pretty much forgotten what the definition of the word servant is. So what if we remind all the public servants, that's you know everybody in power, so to speak, that they're there to help us, to serve us. So stop fining us, punishing us, robbing us, extorting us, locking us up. Um, do what you're paid to do. Be a servant. So the parking warden helps you park. You know, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, then corporations have personal directorial liability. So if you're the director of a corporation which is doing terrible things, you personally are responsible. That change would change everything because it's it's not the people who want to damage the place, apart from the odd psychopath. It's corporations who are working purely for profit and not for any ethical, loving reason. So then is there anything wrong with Parliament? Well, it seems to me that having a debating chamber with 600 people, that could be all right if those people were not psychopaths, if they were kind, loving people. You know, it struck me you could have a TV program, a bit like Britain's Got Talent, where you look for the sweetest, kindest people around. You know, somebody who, oh, I wish they were my granny or my granddad because they're so lovely. And you, know, you somehow, maybe you've got to co-opt them into... Yeah, would you? I know you don't want to help run the country. Maybe because you're such a nice person, you you wouldn't mind for a few months or a year or something. 
And we just change because we can't change the system within the system. We have to come up, you know, like Buckminster Fuller said, with with an an alternative that's mm. way nicer. So I see the one of the ways is at local level with the council, and I appreciate that government are taking away most of the council's power to actually do anything locally. But what if one had a, a straw poll, even in the street, you know, like when we used to vote, you'd, you'd have your name and address and you'd tick who you wanted, that you have that. And here's tick if you like the current council. Do you like the council tax and what they're spending it on? And if you think that's good value and you like that, tick here. If you want the alternative, let's say people's council, for want of a better word, where we the people, rather than these perhaps politicised, corrupt, potentially people running the place, we'll run it ourselves. And we reckon, here are the calculations, it might cost half as much to run the town, the village, as it currently costs. That means you can don't have to pay so much council tax. And if the road needs fixing, instead of waiting for it to be repaired for 10 years, like on the motorways, you know, nobody doing anything for 10 miles, nothing happening for 10 years, we could look up road repairers online, get it fixed this afternoon. You know, has anybody ever seen a pothole in England? I'm sure you've never seen a pothole, but they could be repaired. Do you know about the guy in Cornwall? Police are searching for the mystery pothole repairer. There's some guy going around repairing potholes, and apparently the police are searching for him, the villain that he it must be or she. What a swine. Um, <laughs> Incredible. Um Swine, if you're out there, uh, just if you happen to come, <laughs> if you happen to come past, no, we had to do that. We actually had to, did did uh, my 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 neighbour, um, God bless him. Yo, we we got the council out. The these potholes were dangerous. You hit one of them on a bike, you seriously could, and and it's just the fact that it's a decaying hole it's deteriorated they just get bigger but the council won't come out unless they're deeper than a golf ball um and they came out for one clive <laughs> they filled one my neighbor was straight out go on fellas do the other one it's literally six inches away from it and it was half the size uh sorry it's not quite golf ball depth yet <laughs> and um just by happenstance a, a Another group of tarmac has come round, I think, to do someone's drive or something. And uh, my neighbour bonged them fifty quid, and they and uh, and and they filled it. But this is, um, this is a good time now in our discussion to discuss why I would say this is not going to happen, Clive. There's so much lack of knowledge of how society functions which when once you've studied for a, as long as I have, and I know many people watching, becomes abundantly clear um, that, that, that there's a control group and they're very clever at what they do because they've done it for thousands of years. We talk about money. They corrupted the money system, gosh, I think 6,000 years ago in, in, in the Middle East and changed it from a simple system of exchange to one of greed greed profit inflation interest corrupted all the kings the queens the leaders the political leaders the religious leaders all along you can see how they've all become corrupted no longer is their job to look after the people 
their job is how much gold can they get in their cellar and and this is why you see royal families say nothing during 20 years of illegal conflict this is why why you see politicians and royalty say nothing when uh trillionaire corporations are uh can we say going after the people say nothing much more there um and how they all go along with it and all the celebrities jump in and do adverts don't they Oi, if you don't get this for you and your family you're the problem you're 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 gonna bring the world to to an end and um what i think i've come to realize clive is they're very good at keeping people in their lower state of being so a low state of vibe you know a low a low frequency means they keep people trapped in their ego they keep trick people trapped in this physical um what you what has been referred to as de- delusional self um because essentially at the end of the day we're all a manifestation of the universe so we're the universe experiencing itself subjectively that's li- literally what we are so the notion that clive is different from me is ridiculous he's he's me in another body he's universe in that body i'm universe in this therefore it's in my interest that clive does well and he's happy essentially happy it's essential for the sort of if we call it the karmic record so that's the global community that we're all happy and that we're all thriving and i don't mean greedily i'm not talking about we've all got 25 homes and seven porsches in the driveway that's not it's you hear a lot of talk, Clive. I listened to you know a, um, a lot of the chats going on. I we we mentioned before we started recording a lot. A lot of people coming to this at an, a, an older age. Uh, so my age, or or you know, ten years old, old or whatever. Um, but the thing is, they they've only, if we can use the term, awoken because of this last three years because let's be honest it was when things just become so ridiculously stupidly bizarre that they don't make sense to a to a five-year-old you know you unless you're completely indoctrinated into the matrix you sit up and take notice and the issue is that an awake person is what's referred to in spirit spirit on the spiritual um, um ascendance as a fourth dimension so as an asleep person or or as the matrix as we kind of jokingly refer to it is a third dimension person someone that actually thinks they're real that chris rule is so important and uh, you know i dress like this and i do my hair like that and i've got a facebook account and i will attack you if you dare dare question my views and my but because i you know, which is all insecurity, really, and and, and, a, and a product of not realizing, no, you're not you, you're the universe. <laughs> you know, you're living the delusion. You're trapping yourself into a low, uh, you know, frequency way of, uh, of, of, of being, and you're part of the problem. And a lot of these kind of people, you know, very good people, Clive, that have awoken this last three years, they're what's referred to as fourth dimension. And by that, how do you define a fourth dimension person as opposed to a fifth, which is enlightenment, is that a fourth dimension will always dip back into the matrix to make sense of life. 
and to suggest ideas. So this is why you you hear people say, oh, yeah, we've had three years of this and three years of, you know, if we can just get rid of that Rishi Sunak, yeah, and get that nice Boris Johnson back, he, he, that will fix it. You, you, you know, you can see the trap there. Not understanding, no, all of these politicians are low vibrational beings. They're driven by their ego self. They believe the amount of money in their bank account equates to what a good person they are. Whereas for us spiritually enlightened people, we understand it's getting away from all of that, um, being happy to have a roof over your head and, um, you know, transcending the material 3D five senses self um, in which you think that, you know, the amount of gold you've got in your basement is equates to what a good person you are. And this is why so many people die unhappy or they don't even make it that far because some of the richest people on the planet and some of the most successful celebrities take themselves out of the game. Um, and this is the thing, Clive, and this is what I wanted to discuss because you mentioned, you know, the very first thing you said to me when we started talking was health, that it starts with our health. And yes, it does. But it starts with our physical health. It starts with our mental health, which obviously we know are inextricably linked, but it also begins with our spiritual health. And it's that component, along with the other two, to be honest, that many people of our age, they, they don't get. They're not prepared to swap their steak and chips every night, you know, and their fish and chips on a Wednesday and their pork chops and, a thing, and, and their three peas on the side of the plate or the little bit of broccoli that, just gets thrown they're not prepared to change Clive they're not prepared to do what us life coaches teach jog around the block in the morning especially if you jump in a hot sh shower cold shower after or do a bit of breath work you're going to be firing you're not going to be angry at the matrix or angry at Rishi Suna or they become irrelevant because you start to realize your happiness starts with you and then you go out to the world and you put out this super strong vibe in which people go, whoa, what's he on? I want some of that. And they stop being angry and they stop voting in these these ludicrous nonsense politicians thinking that's going to, um, that's going to, uh, you know, make, make happy. And the other thing there with people of our, our, our ilk, Clive, is they also believe the narratives. So they know something's wrong but they still believe the narrative that's telling them it's wrong. I've got to be careful what I say here. This is why you start hearing stuff about, you know, laboratories in Asia, can we say, and, and bats flying around and, and it's all distraction, isn't it? Yes. Bat? They completely don't get your point, which is no, it comes from within. Many would say, I'm just a podcast host folks. I'm, I'm putting this out there. Um, and so you've got, you've still got this notion of, you know, you, you just see the confusion in people. Yeah. Well, I think this one is bad. Yeah. This like, no, I'm not, I'm not, but, but all the other ones are good. <laughs> you know, all this nonsense years of, of control by trillion dollar corporations who've shaped this narrative. They've indoctrinated you to think that, you know, 
this is how things happen <laughs> where when you become enlightened you 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 you're just going to laugh at laugh at that notion especially going to laugh when you see people you know putting silly things on their faces uh thinking that they're captain america and they're going to save save the planet um so spiritual battle clive is is this uh you know what what what's your take on it well we're taught to follow the income right follow the money that's what we're taught but obviously if you reach a certain level you know i hate to say enlightenment but you know waking up that you realize actually it's the outcome you want to follow not the income so most people are doing a job they hate because they perhaps haven't dreamt enough i mean i believe that because everything is one you know i agree with you we we e- each other expressing ourselves as you well, the universe expressing itself as us um i think that uh if people actually say well look what if nothing mattered what if my parents didn't matter what people think about me didn't matter the money didn't matter the fact that i haven't yet got the talent necessarily doesn't matter what would i really like to do what is my ultimate dream and uh most people don't go there in their thought process um which is a shame because i believe that universe picks up on if you want something for the highest good you know not just from pure selfishness and greed but you know you, you you're after the outcome in some way then i believe the universe will create it i think that destinies are intertwined and if you're on the crest of the wave so to speak you have no choice but to meet the people things have to happen as uh, for things to flow uh and so i've had the most ridiculous things happen in my life i mean really i i've set my mind to something for if you like the highest good also also my own, my own good it's not just purely altruistic uh because that it should be good for all concerned a good deal should be perfect for all parties and i've had things that are impossible happen i mean where the odds were beyond impossible and it's happened a few times because it it for my life to be what i believe it could be to follow my dream it sort of has to happen you know so i so i'm actually very happy most of the time yes i saw the law of attraction which is kind of what we're talking about isn't it um actually physically demonstrated using uh sound frequency um I can't quite remember the experiment, but I know the guy had like those tuning forks and he donged them and he had one uh, set of forks that was, that resonated at a certain frequency. And there was a ball that was, you know, resonated at another freak freak frequency. And he donged this one and the ball just stayed there. Then he swapped these tuning forks around and he donged this one. And, you physically see the ball attracted to the, you know, um, attracted to these tuning uh, or to these forks. Um, And this is it. Yo, what, if I can call them the oldies without being rude, what they're failing to grasp is, and, and this is going back to your council suggestion. I went to my stand in the park on Sunday Wonderful bunch of people led by uh, my good shipmate, Mark. Hello, Mark. If you're watching this, much love to you, mate. Keep up the good work. But they've been hit with what 
is just the unresolved problem in the freedom movement is division. You know, what what was once a big group of 30, 40 people gathering on a Sunday in peace and love to share ideas and and uh, obviously oppose certain certain mandates and stuff. It's just been beset by by infighting and and da 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 da, and it was the same when when I was, you know, going up to London as part of the the, the sort of protests for again for the last three years and stuff. Is God the the division within people that you'd think are going for the same goal that want the same thing is so silly, and it comes back to what I'm saying, Clive. It's because there's a big difference between being fourth dimension and fifth. Being awake is not being enlightened because once you're enlightened, you're never going to say a bad word about another human being because what comes out your mouth as an enlightened person is a representation of where you are. And if you do hear someone such as myself bad mouthing someone, you are well within your right to go, He's lost the spiritual battle there for a moment. And and you do, because we're all human. You know, sometimes you start effing and blinding and, you, you know, you, you start to go down the, the path of old bad habits. And But but you know that you, you know they're wrong. Whereas the fourth dimension are still, like I say, they're still trying to make sense of this new knowledge that they've gained, that they don't know how to deal with and dipping into the old the old values, the old rules. Let's get cross with people. Let's blooming chuck this government out and we'll we'll get our new. Yeah, how's that going to work for you? You're replacing one bunch of narcissistic, greedy, materialistic, ego-driven people by the exact same bunch. They might not be now. You wait till money starts coming in the equation. You're going to see people go, oh, could I get £30,000 a year salary out of this freedom movement? Or, you know... Oh, I'm on the town council now. And uh, if I give the contract to fix this pothole to my mate, Dave, he's going to give me a kick. Do you see what I'm saying, Club? It's 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 matrix thinking. You know, it's it's um, whereas as fifth dimension, we always try to do what's morally right. It's really changed the course of our podcast because now I have to consider why am I getting this guest on? If it's just for subscribers, I'm not going to do it. I mean, not if it's going to upset the people that I care about, which are my my viewers. You know, we 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 have pulled podcasts, Clive, because by the time they've been put up, and they've gathered enough comments under underneath before they premiere, and you can see, you know, the the our friends out there, our subscribers, realise that Chris, you did you didn't you know this about, and you're all like ah. Ah, that's not helpful. Yes, that's uh, that's going to upset another one of our guests. For 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 example, um, it's not that we censor things, Clive. It's not not about that. It's just that it's about love. It's the highest form of vibration. It just is, and all all my decisions have to come from that basis. I'm not always successful. I sometimes human, you know, suffer from human fallibility maybe don't make the best decision, but you know, I mean, how many channels out there now are doing stuff about this BBC abuser thing? It's all over the alternative media. And it's, 
it's so easy just to jump on that bandwagon of negativity, you know, to put out dark energy, to keep people upset. The best thing is if you don't like the BBC and what they foster, which is pretty evident now, don't watch them. <laughs> Certainly don't pay them. Why, why? That's it. Job done. You don't have to go and try and change people. You don't have to wake up upset or fed up. You don't have to spend half your day watching videos thinking, who's who's the perpetrator this time? Da, da, da. So um, that's the thing. You know, this is the thing, Clive. But the age-old question there is, how do you become enlightened? Because I spent my first time in 53 years solely with enlightened people recently. Uh, there were four of us uh, in total, and we didn't have to explain ourselves to each other. We didn't have to be guarded about, oh, you know, might better not let this. Do. We we all intrinsically knew where we were at, and it was a place of love uh, and forgiveness. And how ironic that we'd all been through severe trauma in our lives. And it was the trauma that drove us to heal ourselves. And it was the process of healing, which elevated us to this spirit, you know, this spirit, beautiful spiritual level. I'm just wondering how we can get enough people there because if we really want change and, and I believe this will come, I don't, I don't think it will come in my lifetime. If I was honest, I think I just got to win my spiritual battle, get myself in a good place or keep, keep myself in a good place and try and inspire others to, to follow suit without pressurizing them. But you can't expect everyone to, go out and get some severe trauma clive can you to then to go through the learning lessons to get out of that but do you think that 20 percent thing that you mentioned if we could get 20 percent of people to understand enlightenment that it's about love not not hate that that could um that could af affect our our dest our destiny as uh, as a humanity well, I, I think it is a numbers game. Um, there's an incredible cartoon by Larkin Rose called The Tiny Dot. The Tiny Dot is about 10 minutes cartoon, and it shows um, the population of America. And then there's this tiny dot, which are the government and all their legion of enforcers. And people just don't realize how many there are of us and how few there are of these very few powerful people who are pulling all the strings and doing the stuff. So we could easily uh, change the system from under them. I mean, uh, you, you know about the Bradbury pound from 1914. Only because I've heard you mention it, Clive. Can you um, give us some more info? Okay, so when World War I started, there was a very realistic possibility of a run on the banks where the people would say, we want our gold back. But because of fractional reserve banking, um, obviously they lend out way more money in paper than they actually have. So the government and the Bank of England were really very, very concerned 
so much so that they took a drastic step and they closed the banks. Long bank holiday. Nobody could draw out any money or pay any money in. And a few days later, they printed new currency, totally new currency. And they were very worried because maybe the people wouldn't accept this new, these new paper notes, different to the old ones. So on day one, they reopened the banks. But on day one, they'd only had time to print the notes on one side. And they called it the Bradbury Pound because the, I don't know, whoever, Secretary of State or whoever happened to be called John Bradbury. And they're huge collector's items, these one, one-sided printed notes. The second day, they were able to print them on both sides and the, the people accepted them. They accepted this money as a new currency. So just like they do with coins, the government printed uh, the notes themselves. So there's no interest on coins. You know, the Bank of England doesn't print the coins. They only print the notes. So this short period of time, the government printed not only the coins at no interest, but the notes at no interest. And it worked. The country accepted it. And they cut out central banks completely, essentially, for, for a few days until whatever happened. They, the banks took, took control and charged interest again. So it's happened. I mean, you know, there's the greenback dollar in the States. There have been cases where it's been shown that we can have our own money and not pay interest. And the difference is that money created by the Bank of England with interest is money created as debt. They print the capital, but they, they, but they don't print the interest. So because they don't print the interest, it's almost as if it, the system is always bound to, to go bust in one sense. I'm, I'm not explaining it terribly well. But uh, we could, again, introduce the Bradbury Pound, where money is created as value. You know, with the greenback dollar, um, the government was able to fund all sorts of ventures uh, to put infrastructure, because when in 1914, the English government uh, were able to raise this money against the value of England or Great Britain, because all the farms, the buildings, the infrastructure, the bridges, you know, England is an incredible asset which you can borrow against. So you can create money as debt or money as value. And this could happen tomorrow, just like a, a switch could be switched if people were talking about it. You know, not many people are talking about what's happened in the past. And because people don't learn from history, they get fooled over and over again. So there are lots and lots of answers. Another one, just going back to the potholes in the roads, I'm sure most people have seen these people painting penises around the hole. If you paint a penis around the hole, apparently the council comes out really, really quickly to fix it. On on the fear thing, you know, the cheapest weapon that an enemy ever has, not that there are enemies if you want to take the oneness principle, but the cheapest weapon is fear make people very frightened. I mean, my, myself, I've been frightened over all sorts of things. As a year or so ago, I was storing up lots of food, thinking that there was going to be a food crisis any day. You know, so we all fall for fear every now and then. The press is, the media is full of fear, isn't it? You know, there's a new thing to be scared about every day. Yes, because if you keep people full of fear and you keep people working in an aimless job for 40 hours a week every day of their life except what was it a week at christmas and two weeks in the summer uh pile on the fear people don't have time to find that spiritual path do they 
because they're constantly stressed out and stress is l- low form of vibration. And when you're stressed, you Sorry, yeah. Yeah. And when you're stressed, you're putting out bad energy. Think about it. I know in myself, you know, if I'm stressed, I get snappy with people and, uh, and, um, you could cause problems in your relationships and you, you go out the house and you're just not your happy, smiling self. Um, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's, they're very good at it. You know, they're good at it. I mean, you get a p- parking ticket from some private fool that just wants your money or you get a speeding ticket because you were, you know, five miles an hour over the, and it's all, it's all a big distraction, Clive, isn't it? it it's all, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't <laughs> have some certain rules in place, but, um yes they 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 don't want a happy cohesive loving population that supports itself in communities um does the right thing based on science and and logic they want a scared bunch of individuals all locked in their little bubble of a home operating over the internet so they never actually meet people grassing up their neighbor if they dare have a barbecue with more than three people um and um all the time getting constantly traumatized by social media and and mass media constantly traumatized um this huge it's not just not just traumatized led down a garden path i mean you look at something like instagram and again yes i I've got an Instagram account, but I, I have one for business. It's very weird and wrong that young people have been sold on this as a this narcissistic platform that that's somehow going to make you happy. It's just so damaging. Um, they've confused pleasure with happiness. So that the adverts say, buy the new whatever it is and you will be happy. No, buy the new whatever it is and you'll get pleasure, pleasure being a sort of visceral type of thing, but happiness is different. So people seek pleasure, and that boosts their dopamine levels. But as you know, with dopamine, um, the body can regulate that, which means, you know, let's say they have one beer, they like it, then have two beers, now they need three beers and so on. So pleasure is dopamine, and the brain can downregulate dopamine, but happiness is primarily serotonin, and the brain doesn't downregulate serotonin. There isn't, you can't have too much happiness, right? You can't be too much in love or, you know, nature is fabulous. Um, but there is one thing that turns down serotonin, which is dopamine. So the irony is the more pleasure you seek, the less happy you can get. Clive, on that note, um, I think we've had a great chat. We'll keep, we're trying to keep this podcast a bit shorter these days, just because we could chat all afternoon, couldn't we? But again, coming back to shorter attention spans and shorter time, we're keeping them a bit shorter in the hope that more, more people will, will watch them. Um, but I look forward to chatting again, sir. Well, I would love to, um, you know, I, I think if we can be positive, and come up with decent workable ideas. Um, that's a good thing. You know, I'd like to talk more perhaps another time about the solutions to lots of health issues because, you know, I, I, 
I was hospitalized 38 years ago. They said there was no hope for me. I couldn't walk or get dressed or anything. And here I am fine. You know, the doctors wanted to give me drugs. That was crazy. So um, actually getting healthy is quite simple. Yes, and 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 incredibly important. Well, absolutely. Yes. Yes. So can I plug my website? Hey, absolutely. And we'll... Sorry, Club, I meant to say we'll put all your links below. So, folks, if you want to um, get in contact with Clive, if you want to look into supplements, all the details will will be below. Um, what are we at? ClivedeCarl.com. Dot com. They are, are, that's what I was going to say. Yes. Then I've got another one, which is called SecretHealthClub.com. Mm-hmm. When I got taken down the first time from YouTube in 2014, I shoved everything there that they, they don't want you to see, basically, and it's grown over the last 10 years or so. I've literally, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six of your products, which we, we take religiously. I'm not going to show them on camera, folks, because that will be misconstrued as I'm plugging it, which I sort of kind of am, but... um but no, you're all free thinkers. You make your own minds up in um, what what you want to do in life. Um, Clive, let's uh, stay on the line just so I can thank you properly. But let's chat soon. Massive thanks for coming on the show. To everybody at home, um, I hope that provided some solutions rather than just doing the fear mongering and the wandering around like everyone's lost in the wilderness, um, thinking that, you know, if we get Boris Johnson back, it's going to fix everything. <laughs> I think what we're all finding is it starts within, doesn't it? You know, we want some happy campers out there. And uh, I think that'll be a good start. If you can like and subscribe, if you can consider supporting our Patreon, we'd really, really appreciate it. Links are below. Look after yourselves. Much love. See you soon. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris Thrall. Thank you.